worshipping like that. Okay, if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Revelation uh, chapter 1. And um, <clears throat> if you're new to this church, um, you'll find out quite quickly that uh, there's quite a few of us here who um, we love to think about, we love to preach about um, the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Nearly uh, every time that uh, I'm with this dear brother here, who just gave me this microphone, we always seem to be talking about the second coming, don't we? And um, should be the most exciting subject that we can uh, speak about. Amen? All right, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Revelation 1 and verse 7. This will be our main text for the morning. So if you've got a marker, you can uh, put it there, a ribbon. And we'll keep going back to that verse. Um, And we read here, we know that John is writing to uh, the seven churches. And um, he's given them a message. He's given them a um, prophecy about the future. And he says in verse 7, he says, Behold, he cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for your precious word this morning. We thank you for the book of Revelation. And Lord, there are so many churches that won't even open the book of Revelation. Lord, some believe it's too hard to understand Some won't read it because they don't believe it's relevant. Oh Lord, this book is relevant for today and it's relevant for the days to come. And we thank you so much for it. We thank you for this verse 7 this morning, Lord. And um, Lord, we pray you'll speak to us for your Holy Spirit. And uh, help us, dear Lord, to be ready for that day when you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, well... I believe this is one of the most exciting subjects that we can um, talk about. It's actually uh, the subject that uh, I came to faith through. Um, Revelation 20 and verse 15. Whosoever um, was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You may be thinking, well, that's a strange verse for you to come to faith on. Um, Well, God's word challenged me and I knew as I read that verse, that my name wasn't written in the book of life. I wasn't a Christian. And I knew that on that day that I needed to make a decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says that every man is accountable for his life. And I knew that if I'd never become a Christian and have my sins forgiven, that I would end up at the great white throne judgment. And I would be guilty. And I would be sent to the lake of fire. And I was scared. Um, I had to make a few uh, decisions. What would my friends say, you know, if they knew that I'd become a Christian? What would people at work say? What would family say? I had to wait up, but it didn't take long, probably uh, a week or two. And uh, I knew that I had to make a decision. And uh, if you've never made that decision, make it today. Make it today before you walk out of these doors because 
We don't know when we're going to meet God. We don't. Life is short. And even if we're only, if, we, if, if we're young, we don't have the whole day. You know, God could just take our lives like that. Um, so, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, our verse teaches us this morning, this verse 7, that when the Lord Christ returns, it's going to be remarkable. It's going to be remarkable because it's going to be visual. Now, we're living in a day, of, day and age today where we like things visual. How do we know that? Well, you've only got to have a look at some of the TVs that people have got, 50-inch plasma TVs on their walls. You know, we like to see something visual. We like it close up. We like it big. That's why we love our mobiles, isn't it? You know, we like to see things that are visual and uh, they help us to, um, to keep us awake, to keep us interested. Well, on that day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, on that remarkable day, God will not disappoint. It will be visual and um, no one's going to miss it. Let's just have a look at, at verse 7. We're not going to read, um, we're not going to go through the whole lot of the verse, but the first part of the verse we're going to look at this morning. I'm just going to break it up into four pieces. And um, the first that we're going to look at is the first word, behold. Now, behold is an emphatic verb. It's like a, an action. And John is basically into these churches, he's saying, look, observe. Look what's going to happen. Look, something remarkable is ahead. And he's trying to get their attention. We see that in verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. And you know, the church today needs to be aroused. Needs to be wakened up concerning the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've met many Christians who... Just when you talk about the second coming, it's like, oh, don't go on about that, you know. We should be, we should be looking up. The Bible says that, that that's what we should be doing. And we're going to see that clearly this morning. But I'm glad that we have a church here this morning that is aroused about the second coming. And we are excited about it. Amen. Behold. Um. Why is it as a Christian that we seem to like to talk about everything except the Lord's return? You know, we'll talk about COVID till the cows come home. We'll talk about the vaccines. We'll talk about the Antichrist. You know, we'll talk about all different kinds of subjects. Why aren't we talking more about the return of Jesus Christ? You know, um, John, uh, John says here, behold. You know, I used to go to a church in uh, Blackpool and uh, we used to get teaching about the second coming so often, it used to be coming out, out of our ears. And when I think back now, I'm really happy that I had that teaching. And uh, we used to uh, walk out of that church and uh, we used to be looking up, you know. His return is imminent. It could happen at any time. And we were really excited. And uh, I, I'm not joking, you know. I, I used to really look up and think, wow, this could be the day. This could be uh, the hour that the Lord returns. And uh, any church that refuses to teach the book of Revelation, you're not going to have that, you know. Need to get into the book of Revelation. And um, it's wonderful. Behold. Let's have a look at the next um, four words. He says, Behold, he cometh with clouds. 
What do you think of when you think of clouds? The sky, the sky yeah. Anything else? The rain. The rain, yeah. What about England, yeah? That's right, Scotland as well, you know. I mean, you probably have it worse up there, but we, we do have a lot of rain. And um, apparently the Lake District is um, supposed to be the wettest uh, area in Europe. That's what I've heard. I don't know if it is, but it's a beautiful place. But, uh, yeah, when we think of the clouds, we often think of rain, okay? But hopefully this morning, as we look at what the Scriptures teach about clouds, we'll get a, another view of what clouds are. So when you walk out of this building today, I know we've got blue skies everywhere today, but when you walk out in the morning, on Monday morning, you see all the clouds and you think everything's dull, hopefully you'll get a different perspective of clouds, okay? So we're going to have a look at five things um, this morning of what the scripture speaks about clouds, okay? And uh, the first one that we see is in Genesis chapter 9. Keep your, um, your, your marker there in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 1. But if we just turn to Genesis 9, and um, what we see here, the first thing we see is clouds speak of God keeping his promises. Yeah? God keeps his promises. And um, if we just uh, turn down to uh, verse 12, and uh, we know that there was a flood, it was a worldwide flood, and God was going to make a covenant with man, not only with man, but also with the creature as well. We know that because he put them on the ark, didn't he? All right. So um, verse 12, and God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you, for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Okay, so God is making a covenant. That covenant is is going to be a bow, and it's going to be above the clouds. Okay, verse 14, And it shall come to pass, when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant. How wonderful. He remembers his people. His promises. He says, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. Isn't it good to know that, you know, we're not left alone in this world of darkness. You know, God is there. We know that. Every time you see that rainbow, let it be a reminder that God is still there. And and his promises are still there for you today. And it says, And the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. 16. And the bow shall be in the cloud. I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. Verse 17. And God said unto Noah, This is the covenant, uh, the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon earth. The earth. How many times there do we read about the covenant that God has made between God and his people and his creatures as well? Wonderful. And we see here that the cloud speaks of God's faithfulness. It, keeps of God, it speaks of God keeping his promises. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I've been saved 31 years now. And by the grace of God... And I thank God that I've never doubted my salvation. And I know that sometimes doubts uh, come, come in 
And I know that the people who um, have, uh, have lost that assurance, okay, uh, and they need to get it back because God wants to assure us that he makes an everlasting covenant with us. When we've been saved, when he saves us, he's not going to let us depart from his promise that he's, that he's made to save us and keep us. And one day we will go to be with him for all eternity. And I believe once saved, always saved. I believe that. Amen? Um, that's God's promise. You know, um, it's a shame that um, the homosexuals, Sodomites, the Bible calls them, have um, devalued that wonderful symbol that we have in the Bible. It speaks of God's promises, God's faithfulness, God's keeping his truth. And that's wonderful. Never let us lose sight of that. Um, let's just have a look at uh, God's faithfulness. You know, he promised that uh, when he went from this earth and he ascended to heaven, the Bible teaches us that he went up in a cloud. Let's just turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. And uh, let's just see here. Um, God, God's promise to return the same way that he left this earth. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. So we see here very clearly that as the Lord ascended, the Bible says that, um, that he went up, um, a cloud received them, um, a cloud received him out of their sight. The Bible promises that when he returns, he's going to come back um, on a cloud. Let's just have a look um, at Revelation chapter 14. All the verses might not be on the screen this morning, but if you've got a Bible, I do encourage you to, uh, to look them up. Um, this is recorded, so you, you'll be able to uh, look, look it up later if you haven't got a Bible there. Revelation 14, verse 14, and um, we see here, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp Sickle. We know that this is talking about the time of the tribulation period when the Lord Jesus Christ is getting ready um, to return. We also read in Daniel 7 and verse 13 as well. Um, we won't turn there, but uh, it also speaks about the ancients of days returning um, and the clouds of glory. Um, wonderful. So we see here, God's, the cloud represents God's promise and keeping of his promises brethren we need to keep our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ we need to keep looking up he's coming back and he's coming back on one of those clouds how wonderful you know the next time we see a cloud maybe we can stop complaining about the rain maybe <laughs> the Lord will have to do a work on me for that I'm telling you Angelica says I'm always complaining about things so 
She's right. Okay. Um, not only does the cloud speak about God's keeping his promises, but it also speaks about his power and great glory. Just turn to Matthew chapter 24. And we have here a wonderful uh, chapter in Matthew speaking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24. And let's just turn to uh, verse 39. And let's see here the power and the glory of the clouds. Um, Verse 39, sorry, verse 29. Uh, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the star shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming. How? In the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Wonderful. Power and great glory. That's how he's coming back. How different his return to how he came and he was born into this world. In a lowly manger. He's he's not coming back in a manger, dear friends. He's coming back in power and great glory. Amen. He's coming back on the clouds of glory. Um, I don't know if you've ever... um, Noticed when um, you look up to the... A few days ago, I was in a place called Kegworth. I don't know if anyone knows where that is. It's, um, it's not too far from uh, Nottingham and Derby, sort of in between. Loughborough. Where? Loughborough. Loughborough, yeah. It's also close to Donington Park, okay, where they uh, race the motorbikes. Okay, I know that one. And Dave knows that one as well. And, um, well, there was an air crash there. I don't know if you remember. I think it was about 1989. And uh, there was about 47 uh, passengers killed on that plane. Uh, very sad. And um, the place that I was actually doing a uh, delivery was right next to the runway. Uh, so <clears throat> as I got out of my cab, I, uh, I just looked up into the sky. And there I saw uh, a plane. It was quite far away. Um, and I saw it just disappear in the clouds. And, you know, I just... I was amazed at how that plane, how small that plane looked compared to the clouds as it just disappeared. And then it appeared again and then it disappeared. And I don't know if you've been on a plane and you've looked outside the window. Um, if you've ever seen planes just pass by and sometimes you can see them going in the clouds so quickly. But it's amazing how big those clouds must be miles long. They're massive. They are powerful and they're glorious but that cloud that the Lord Jesus Christ comes in, it symbolises the power and the glory of our, our Lord as he returns. Wonderful. Um, it, the clouds in scripture also speaks about the divine presence of God. Exodus chapter 13, the divine presence of God. Uh, Exodus 13 and uh, verse 20. And uh, we see here, that uh, the Israelites have, um, have crossed over the Red Sea and um, we see that they come to a place called um, Ephraim and it says in verse 20, and they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped in Ephraim in the edge of the wilderness and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by, the, by day and night. Verse 22. And he took not away the pillar of the cloud by day. Nor the pillar of fire by night. From before 
the people. We see here that the cloud in scripture, one of the first mentions of the cloud, speaks um, of the divine presence of God. Wonderful. Um, Isn't it comforting to know that God is with us? Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel to us right now. He may not be Emmanuel to Israel right now in, in, in one respect that they don't recognize him as God that is with them right now, but they will do one day. But as Christians, we recognize the Lord Jesus Christ as Emmanuel. He is with us right now. Not physically, but he's there spiritually. Um, wonderful. Um, God has said in his word that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It may be this morning that you may feel abandoned by family, friends, work colleagues. It may be that you're feeling on your own and you don't know the direction to go in. Well, just be encouraged this morning that God is there with you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. The cloud also speaks about the mercy of God. Leviticus chapter 16 Leviticus 16, it speaks about God's mercy and how we are in need of that this morning. Let's just turn to two verses, verses 1 and verse 2, chapter 16. And um, we see, we're reading here about the priest, about Aaron, who uh, was to come into uh, the Holy of Holies once a year. And it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord and died. Verse 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron, thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Did you know that there was a cloud in the Holy of Holies? This was the place that only the high priest could go in once a year. The Bible says there was a mercy seat there, a place where people could find God's forgiveness, God's mercy, and it was in that holy place. The Bible says that there was a cloud above the mercy seat. Oh, how that reminds us this morning of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember the transfiguration? Let's just turn to uh, Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and verse 7. And we see here uh, the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, if we just turn back to, uh, let's say verse 4. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. In verse 7, And there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. We see here that the cloud descended upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely this morning this speaks to us of the mercy seat. Jesus Christ is the mercy seat. He is the place where we find mercy. We need mercy for the forgiveness of our sins. You know, it's by God's mercies that we're not um, destroyed. 
We, we, we deserve judgment. and We deserve condemnation. But the Bible says, therefore is there, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. He is the mercy of God this morning. And the cloud here speaks of the mercy of God. How wonderful. Well, we've seen, behold, we've seen he cometh with clouds. Um, just another um, appearance of the cloud in scripture, just before we, we have a look at the next part of the verse. The cloud also speaks about a meeting in the air. Let's have a look at First Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, this is the one that we need to uh, be really looking for. You know, we're not looking for the Antichrist this morning. We're looking for Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the one we're looking for. I'm not looking for a temple to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. It's going to happen. I'm not looking for an image to be set up. I'm not even looking for the mark of the beast. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that that can happen any time. Wonderful. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. And here Paul is speaking to this church and he's trying to reassure them that we're not in the tribulation period yet. The Lord has not returned. He says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. If you have any relatives here this morning who have died as Christians, yes, they're in the grave right now. And as we've been singing this morning, that their tongues are still in the grave. They're not moving. They'll be moving in heaven and be praising the Lord. But friends, the Bible says that the dead in Christ, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, they will rise first. Some people ask, why, why will they rise first? The answer is, it's because they're six foot under the ground. They've got longer to travel. Well, okay. That's what, you know, I don't know if that's theological. But um, the Bible says that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, where? In the clouds, to meet the Lord, where? In the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You know, when we talk about the second coming, the second coming has two parts to it. It has the part where he comes for his saints in the air, and the second coming, the last coming, speaks about the time when he's going to come with his saints to the earth. Let's just have a look at First Thessalonians chapter 3. Just turn over a page. And verse 13, we see this. It says, To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with, how many of your saints? All his saints. We have to go with him first, to come back with him. So when he returns, he will have to have all his saints with him and we will return um, from glory. The Bible says, Revelation chapter 19, we're going to be coming back on the horses. Not, we're going to be racing with the Lord Jesus Christ in front. White horses, wonderful. Isn't that incredible? There are horses in heaven. Eh? Wonderful. God loves the animals. God loves creatures. He loves the humans. But um, he loves his, his creation as well. And uh, he's going to come back riding the horse, the Bible says. Um, let's just have a look at the third part of that um, Revelation 1 and verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, 
And then it says, and every eye shall see him. Do you think that that really means every eye? That's what it says, isn't it? Amen. Do you think blind people will see the Lord Jesus Christ when they return? Well, it says every eye, isn't it? Blind people still have eyes. You know, there's never a time in the scriptures that it was difficult for the Lord Jesus Christ to give people their sight back. I believe every eye will see him. That's not difficult for the Lord. You know, they say that technology, they used to say that technology is increasing five times um, every, sorry, it increases double every five years. It's probably more than that now. Um, And we have uh, our mobiles where we can see things happening on on the other side of the world. But God doesn't need mobiles for every eye to see him. He can just appear in the the sky. It's not, not a problem for God. But every eye shall see him. Wonderful. Verse 7. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. There's going to be another set of eyes that are going to see the Lord Jesus Christ when he returns. And that is going to be the people who crucified him, who murdered him, who pierced him, who rejected him. And that's Israel. That's the Jews. Um, Let's just turn to Acts chapter 7 and let's just see what brother uh, Stephen, as he was being martyred, how he described the people. We, We know that the Romans put him up on there on the cross but it was Jesus' own people um, through the Pharisees that had rejected him. And uh, we know that this was um, the plan of God. We know that in Isaiah 53 it talks about the suffering servant. But Acts 7 and verse 52 and uh, verse 51 says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Stephen here is talking Uh, to the religious people ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did so do ye verse 52 which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers Jesus didn't deserve to die he was innocent but he was murdered And he was betrayed by his own people. The Bible says here in Revelation 7, and they also which pierced him. The people that pierced him as a nation, as a people, they will visually see the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes again. Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. And we see here that John is having a vision Inside heaven, and uh, we, we just take it up from verse 1, and he says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Verse 5. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, 
the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, have prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And verse 6, notice this. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, just have a look at this now, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. What do we see here in the midst of the church, of of the elders, God's people here in heaven? The Lord Jesus Christ, he stood as what? A lamb as it had been slain. Do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ bears the wounds, bears the marks of his crucifixion? We know that when the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the grave three days after, we know that he appeared to his disciples and they could see the nail prints in his hands. I believe what we read here is we see that the Lord Jesus Christ, even today, right now, is in heaven in glory, but he still has the wounds that he bore. Now you might ask the question, why would he still have these wounds in his hands? Why would he look like a lamb that had been slain. Well, I believe that maybe we're to remember what he did for us and we'll be forever grateful. But I believe that there is another reason. And you know, this is where replacement theology falls down. If you just turn in your scriptures to the Old Testament of Zechariah, chapter 12, Zechariah chapter 12, go to Matthew, Malachi, and then you'll have Zechariah. What a wonderful book to study, Zechariah. If you want to learn about the end days, the time of Jacob's trouble and Israel, read the book of Zechariah. Chapter 12. Let's have a look what happens when the Lord appears and he and he's seen by his people. It shall come to pass in verse 9, in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. This is a real city. And he says, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, this is Israel, God's people, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they, God's people in Jerusalem, they shall look upon me, this is the Lord Jesus, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourner for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him, as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The reason I've just brought you to this scripture here this morning is I believe that one of the reasons why the Lord bears the wounds and his looks like a, a lamb that has been slain in glory is because when he returns, he's going to reveal himself to his people. And when they see those scars, when they see that he was a lamb, the Passover lamb that was being slain for his people, they will realize that his, this is the one that died for me. This is the one that died for my nation, Israel. And they're going to mourn for him. And the Bible teaches us, if we look down to verse 9, it says, And I will bring the third part through the fire, and will refine them as silver is refined, and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name. I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Wonderful. This is a time that is in the future. Maybe not too far away. 
But we see here that they're going to look upon those nail-pierced hands. I wonder this morning, have we looked upon the wounds of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have we looked upon what it took him when he died on that cross for our sins? Have we partaken of that sacrifice for our sins? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning as your personal saviour? Did he die for you personally? Yes, he did, but have you accepted it? Have you accepted him as your personal saviour? If not, today is the day, the Bible says, of salvation. Harden not your hearts. Today is the day, friends. Wonderful. Um, If we uh, just look look back a little bit to verse 6 of Zechariah 13. I know it's not on on the... uh, the, It may not be on the... uh, Above the back, it says, And one shall say unto him, this is, speaking, this is a prophecy speaking about the Lord Jesus, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. That's, that's a prophecy concerning God's people. You know, in the New King James Bible, um, in some of the editions, it actually says between your arms not wounds in thine hands thank God we have a King James Bible this morning amen thank God we don't lose the precious words eh? what wounds were, on, were between the shoulders you know the wounds were in his hands that's what he showed his disciples didn't turn his back to them and show him the wounds in his back Chapter 13 is Zechariah, and we'll, and we'll finish with, the, with this one. Sorry, verse 1, chapter 13. It says, In that day there shall be a fountain open to the house of David and to the inhabitants of in Jerusalem for sin and for in- uncleanness. And we can thank God this morning when the Lord Jesus Christ returns on the clouds of glory that he's going to open up a fountain to the house of David. Wonderful. We can look forward to that time. But you know we can look forward to that time today if we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us for our sins. And if we are Christians this morning, I wonder, are we living in anticipation of his coming? Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you this morning for your precious words. Lord, if I've said anything this morning that was not of your choice, Lord, Please forgive me, help us to forget it. But Lord, everything that you want to have been taken in and by your Holy Spirit to apply to our lives, Lord, to challenge us, to encourage us, Lord, help us to remember that. And Lord, if we're not Christians here this morning, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us today to put that right. Help us to get those sins under the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, if we're Christians, help us to live in anticipation every day every moment, soon and very soon, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Wonderful. In Jesus' name, amen.